Uh, How many of you have ever been uh, in a crowded mall uh, at Christmas time trying to check out? Uh, Have you ever had that? Yeah, everybody's had that experience, right? Well, uh, I I remember being in that exact situation when I was a teenager. I actually worked in a men's clothing department, and uh, it was right in the busiest time. Every cash register we had was, you know, had lines way back, you know, people looking around at the end of the line wondering how long is this going to be. The store was just jam crowded, and uh, we were doing our best to get everybody there. And you know how loud that is, how loud the mall is when everybody's shopping and talking and, you know, trying to ask for things. It's just, it's just so loud. And as I was there ringing up, something happened that I'll never forget. A lady goes through the main aisle uh, down right in the heart of the store, and, and she lets out. I won't even try to mimic it because we'd have to call 911 for some of you. She screamed. It was one of the most horrific screams I've ever heard in person. She yelled out to the top of her lungs, Robert! And it was so loud. Listen, several us talked later, we thought somebody had shot a gun. That's how loud it was. It, if you ever, if you ever had something happen so dramatic, it feels like you've been electrocuted. It just, it just shakes you. It just shook. We ducked behind the register. I thought, oh God, somebody is getting shot at. You know, and maybe it'll be the customers. I don't know. You know, maybe it won't be us. And and we looked up, and I'm telling you, that noisy, crowded Christmas space turned to silence like that. You could hear a pin drop. Because we were all like. Something terrible has happened. And, and, and then about that time, she said, Robert! She said it again. And we thought, what is going on? And she had lost her son. Like she couldn't find him. Little, little four or five-year-old kid. And she's just yelling, Robert! And she's, she's panicking. You can imagine how a young mother would feel in a crowded store at Christmas. People everywhere, and you can't find your child. And just fortunately, seconds later, somebody sees a child just outside the store doors into the mall, sitting on a bench. He just didn't know what to do. He got lost, he's just sitting there. <laughs> you know, he's like this. And somebody sort of whisk him in, you know, before we all go into psychiatric care, they'll whisk him in. And they say, is this him? Please, Jesus, let it be him. (laughs) And I'm telling you, I'll never forget, that woman with no shame at all took off running down the aisle of that store, and she reached out and took that little boy in her arms, tears down her face, and, and, and held him for all she had and said, Robert, I thought I had lost you. And I'll never forget that moment. I thought, how good that must have felt for that mom to take that little boy into her arms at that moment because he was so precious to her. Have you ever been looking for something so valuable that you you didn't know what you would do if you didn't find it? The, The Bible tells us ultimately everyone is looking for Jesus. But our hearts are empty and our eyes are blurry and our ears are muted. 
We're on a lifelong search to fill our hearts. Some people look in their paycheck. Some people look in their marriage. Some people look in their family. Some people look in their divorce. Some people look in their affair. Some people look in drugs. Some people look in pornography. Some people look in success. Some people even look in other religions. Wherever people look, people are looking for Jesus even if they don't know it. And so our vision for Kingwood Church is to fill that vacuum, is to step into that vacuum. So let me just state it again for you and catch you up to where we are today. Our vision is to become a movement of hope for Shelby County and beyond. And here's what we've been talking about. By helping people meet God, by helping people find purpose, and today living the belief that anyone can find Jesus. So let's talk about that statement for a minute. Living the belief that anyone can find Jesus. I want to pull three key words out of that sentence. Here's the first one, the word belief. Do you believe people who don't know Jesus are eternally separated from God when they die? Do you, do you believe that? Do you believe at some point we've all turned our back on God? What, let's just talk about what do you believe this morning. Do you believe that God has laid all of our sin on Jesus on the cross to take away the sin of the whole world? Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. How many of us? Each one of us. All of us. And the Lord has laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. Do you believe... That Jesus is the only hope of the world. Do, do you believe that? Let me tell you what Acts 4.12 says, speaking of Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Do you believe every person has a longing for eternity in their heart, whether they know it or not? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity into the human heart. That means there is a hunger deep inside the heart of every person for eternal things. There is an unsatisfiable longing inside the heart of every person for eternal things. And it won't be satisfied until they fill it with the hope of the world. The Bible says Jesus. So we're all searching for something that will fill our inner life. We're just talking about beliefs right now. What do we believe? Here's the other part that's so good though. Not only has God created us with a longing for eternity, Jesus is also looking for each person. I, I said it in front of baptism this morning. Jesus tells these three stories of a woman who's looking for a coin, of a shepherd who's looking for a, the 100th lost sheep, and of a father who's lost one of his sons because he ran away in rebellion and he's wanting him to come home. But do you know why Jesus told those stories? Jesus told those stories because he was in town hanging out with people, eating with them, and they weren't Christians. They weren't, they weren't followers. They weren't believers. The Bible calls them sinners. 
So they were unforgiven sinners, unrepentant, unforgiven sinners. And the religious leaders looked at that and started um, challenging Jesus on it, started correcting him, like, what you're doing is wrong. And Jesus said, let me tell you a couple stories. And the stories he told them was the woman looking for the coin, the shepherd looking for the sheep, and the father looking for the son. And so you can see that the heart of the father is that he might draw unto himself that which he created with a longing for him and that for which he has a longing for. That he might draw to himself those sons and daughters of God spread all over the world. What we believe matters. But there is one thing that matters more than belief. And it's what we do. What you do matters more than what you say. What you do matters more than what you believe. So let's look at the statement again. Living the belief that anyone can find Jesus. Look at that first word, living. This isn't a doctrinal statement. It's a call to action. It's not a check your theology. It's a check your lifestyle. Are we living what we believe? We can't just believe anyone can find Jesus and then not live that belief. So the Bible tells us in John 3, 16, God so loved the world. It's the heart of the Father revealed through the sacrificial death of the Son that tells us what God really wants. And He wants to close the gap between Himself and and all of humanity. I got an opportunity to see God's heart one time. And I'll never forget it. You might remember about this time last year, we had a, a missionary who came and spoke named Bill Strickland, who we were in partnership with uh, in Honduras for five years. And for decades, um, he served in Honduras along with many other great missionaries and church leaders. But spiritually, the nation was stuck. Like no, nothing was happening. People weren't coming to faith. People weren't coming out of darkness into the light. And, and as God, as they prayed and God worked and they shifted and they began to be filled with God's heart, man, it set in motion a, a revival and a renewal and, a, and a, a, an incredible church movement in Honduras that I've been in their church on Sunday morning, several of you have too, and it is unbelievable to see a church of about 100 people, when they begin, begin to be filled with the heart of the Father, that church is 12, 14, 15,000 people now in multiple sites, and they have people coming to Jesus every week. Every week, people are coming out of darkness into light. I remember when we were at the campground the first year we were there, he said, um, uh, this week, I, probably about... 150 to 200 people will get saved this weekend. Well, how can, you, how can you just say that? I thought, well, we'll see. And we did see. We went to church, and I watched people just coming for prayer, coming to a salvation call. And it was, it was unbelievable. When, when Bill Strickland was here, we had a lunch with him, several of the people who had been to Honduras, we had a lunch with him, and, and we had an interview, and we asked, we asked Bill, Bill, is there anything, we've asked you a bunch of questions, is there anything that you haven't said yet 
that you'd just like to share with us? And look, he looked, he looked at us, and he just started snapping his finger. And I thought, what is he going to do? And he said, what you have to hear is the heartbeat of God. And let me tell you what the heartbeat of God is. Souls. And he just kept doing it. And he kept saying souls. And he kept doing it. And he kept saying souls. But the more that he did it, the more that you could say, if you ever heard a heartbeat through a stethoscope? And he said, God's heartbeat is souls. And if you're going to be filled with the heart of the Father, you have to be filled with a heart that loves people's soul. Because that's who God the Father is. So let's talk about this morning some actions we can take so that the heart of the Father might not only fill us, but it might be released from us. How can we do that? Well, number one, we must strengthen local outreach. One of the things I'm most grateful for in our church is, is our church's work in the world and our partnership with missionaries. In two weeks, we're actually going to celebrate our annual Missions Day, and we're going to have um, missionary and pastor uh, Larry Henderson here. He's a world-class leader, and I encourage everybody to come and hear him. It's going to be a fantastic day, and we're going to talk about our plans for the future uh, to continue to reach out in the world. So we're going we're gonna to keep moving in our outreach in the world. And every time I get a chance, I'm going to invite everybody at Kingwood to take one missions trip at least one time in your life. Because when you do that, there's no other way to be so fully submerged in the mission of God other than turning your phone off and disconnecting from your normal rhythm and getting into another culture and seeing God's work there. It will absolutely impact your life. And so... We, we're going to continue our work in the world, but at the same time, we must strengthen our local outreach. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Do you know what Jerusalem was? It was where they lived. Our Jerusalem is Shelby County. God has done the work that he's done in our life that we might first be witnesses in our Jerusalem and our Jerusalem is Shelby County. We don't need to do less in the world. We just need to do more here. Now, two years ago, I was praying about this because I knew this kind of conversation would be a shift in our thinking. And I was praying two years ago. I said, Lord, help me understand how I might explain this. How, how many of you have um, ever... Uh, had a broken foot or a foot in a cast. Have you ever had a foot in a cast? I'd never had a broken bone till I was about uh, 22, and I, I was working at a warehouse, and a pallet jack crushed my foot. I just broke it up bad. And I was in a cast for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And when I got that cast off, I'd never had a, any experience with a cast before. I didn't know how that worked. When I got that cast off, something crazy had happened. My leg shrunk. You remember that? I'm like, who, who, wh who took my leg? Where'd my leg go? It's, I got this little alien, this little itsy-bitsy leg. I can't, I can't do everything I want to do with that. I, I, I thought if I just get off these crutches, I'll be fine. Well, I got off them. I'm not the person I was. 
Somebody took my leg. So I want to I wanna show you kind of what it looked like. You can see, it's kind of hard to see, but you can see this leg on this side has a fully developed calf muscle, and on this side has this little bee chicken leg. You know what I'm saying? I had a little chicken leg. I was surprised how much my leg had shrunk, and, and it was hard to believe how, how much it had dwindled just because I didn't use it. And I, I, I couldn't walk very good. You know, I kind of had this little chicken leg. I was walking around. And I couldn't run at all. And even though the other leg was strong, really stronger than it was before because I had depended on it more. Even though it was strong and well cut and it was well exercised, it didn't matter. In order to walk well and to run well, I needed both legs. I needed both of them to be up and running. And as I prayed about this, this is the picture that came to mind. We've been strong in global outreach. We've done great work in the world. We've had a fully muscular, well-cut, well-used leg, but we got this little chicken leg beside it. And it doesn't matter how much we're able to do in the world, we'll never fulfill our potential as a church unless we can have two strong, muscular legs. And then we'll be able to do what God wants us to do. America is the largest English-speaking mission field on earth. Shelby County is the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama. To fulfill our potential, we're going to have to stretch both legs out and use them. So I don't, want to do, I don't want us to do less in the world. I want us to do more here. And I, I want us to look, look at this other picture there you go. Look, see, that, that's, that's what God wants to look at when he sees Kingwood Church. He wants to see us ready to meet the world in our potential and to become everything he wants us to do. Number two, we must raise the priority of salvation. We must live out the reality that salvation is the greatest miracle. The longer you're saved, the easier it is to forget that. Because you forget what it was to be lost, you forget what it was to be empty, you forget what it was to, to um, have no hope, you forget. And, and, and if you're not careful, the greatest miracles become the ones that affect you the most. But salvation is the greatest miracle, it's greater than healing, it's greater than doctrinal discussions, it's greater than talking about the end times, it's greater than any experience with God that you and I could ever have. Why? Because a person can go to heaven sick, a person can go to heaven broken, a person can even go to heaven with a little doctrinal confusion. But a person can't go to heaven lost. That's the only way you can't go to heaven. And so we can't connect with our eternal destiny until we receive Jesus into our life. So our priority must be on eternity. So here's what we're going to do. Every sermon series we have from now on, is going to have a salvation explanation and invitation in it. Not every sermon, every series. So when you bring your friends to our church, when you bring your family to our church, somewhere in every series, we are going to explain what salvation is, we're going to explain what God's heart for people is, and we're going to explain how they can respond and begin a relationship with Jesus every time we have a series. Every time. So there aren't going to be any more salvationless sermon series in our church. That's over. We'll never be a movement of hope if we're just talking to ourselves. 
we also have to make space for new people. So where do new people always sit when they come to church? Where? In the back. In the back. So what I'm going to ask you to do when you come to church, if this is home, is not sit in the back. If you have a small child or an infant or something like that, that's fine. But when we're, and you also know new people come to church late, right? You realize that. Some of you don't know because you're late, but I'm not talking, I'm talking about the rest of us, <laughs> right? You realize most new people come late and they've got their kids checked in, their kids are half-dressed. You know, listen, here's the thing. We've had people in our church that have been inviting them for months and sometimes years. And today is the day, today is the day, every Sunday is the day that one of them makes a decision and finally walks in the door. And when they walk in the door and we're all standing with our back to them and there's nowhere to sit except walk down to the front and sit, do you have any idea what kind of witness that is to them? So, if this is home, if you're, if you're going to stay in the back, you're taking somebody's seat that needs Jesus. So let's be, now everybody's looking and see who's in the back. Look, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. Don't point. It's not nice to point. If you want to be a movement of hope, make space for people who, who need hope. So I'm going I'm to ask you to do that. We're also going to connect prayer with our outreaches. Last, uh, in 2018, we had our Scrooge outreach and about 100 people accepted Jesus. Last year, we connected passionately our intercessor prayer team to each night of Scrooge for an hour of prayer. We soaked the thing in prayer, and 400, over 400 people accepted Jesus. Isn't that incredible? So what we're going to do is we're going to connect prayer with our major outreaches and soak that. We don't want any prayerless outreach. We want to do outreach soaked in prayer. Number three, we must mobilize life groups to reach out. Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God's call to all believers is to go. See, it's one thing when you say, what do you believe? We're not talking about belief. We're talking about how do you live the belief. God's call for all believers is to go. We've already started going. Maybe you've been following on our Kingwood community group on Facebook, our, our uh, City Serve Life Group that's been serving in our city, serving the fire department, serving um, uh, foster care families, serving in our community. You can see, I'll put a few pictures so you can see what we've been doing. We have been, been reaching out through this group, but we need more outreach groups like them whose purpose is to touch this community, whose purpose is to make a difference in Shelby County. Why? In the most unchurched county in the state, a lot of people don't even know we're here. They don't even know Kingwood Church exists. And let me tell you the statistic. In, in the average community in America, only one out of seven unchurched people can even name the name of one church in their city. Well, look, you can ask anybody who never works out where all the gyms are. They don't know where the gyms are. They don't work out. You can ask me where are all the bars at. I don't know where the bars are. I don't go to the bars. You ask a person where all the churches at. They don't know. They don't go to church. 
So we got to be present in our community. When uh, Last year when our school closed and I took my son over to Thompson High School, we met one of the basketball coaches and he said, um, what school did you transfer from? And he, he said, Kingwood. And he said, who? And he said, Kingwood. He said, never heard of it. And I thought, how, how, how could you be, how you never heard of it? I thought, we got to change this. Like, like, like wh- where is our outreach in this community that people never even heard of us? We have to be more present in the community. We can't be a movement of hope if people don't even know we're here. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We have to let our light shine by serving our community. Because when people have problems, when they begin to become aware that something's missing in their life, they're going to start to ask questions. You know what they're going to do? They're going to Google. Or they're going to ask someone they trust. And have we served and have we made the gospel of Christ, have we made the glory of God, have we allowed our light to shine enough in the community that they trust us to ask? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for what? The hope. The hope that's in you. Why are you happy? Why are you smiling? I know you've been through a lot. Why are you going through? Why do you have joy? How did you overcome? How did you persevere? Well, let me tell you, when we love our community, they will eventually begin to ask questions, and then we'll give them Jesus. We need to bleed outreach. Number four, we must use technology as much and as often as possible. Why? There's only three times in world history that we've seen the opportunity we have now. The Roman road system that was built at the time of Christ allowed missionaries and church planners to go all over the world. We've been studying this uh, the last two summers in the book of Acts and allowed the gospel to go viral because there was a human secular system that was made that allowed the gospel to explode. After that, the printing press. The printing press allowed mass production of the Bible. And so now the Bible was allowed to go all over the world. Was the printing press Christian or not? I don't, it's a machine. (laughs) Now the internet. The internet, the average adult is on their phone 35 hours a week. We have access to people that people in world history would have drooled over. We can, we can communicate with anyone, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The world's never seen opportunity like this if we will use it. Last fall, I was walking at Buck Creek Park in Alabaster, and a guy came by on a golf cart. He's coming behind me, and I, and I was about to go on the bridge. I thought, I don't know if he's going to run over me or, or what's going to happen. And so I kind of stepped to the side, and he said, hey. And I said, hey, go ahead. And he goes, oh, he said, hey, I, I know you. He said, Congratulations. I'd, I'd never seen the guy in my life. I didn't recognize him. I said, oh, okay. For what? And he said, I, I, just, I just heard that you'd been at Kingwood Church for 10 years, and I, I heard the podcast. And I said, I don't think you and I have ever met. Can you tell me your name? And he, and he did, and he, he'd been, he's been out of church for maybe 15, 20 years. But he had cancer, and he was struggling. And I said, hey, I, I don't want to you know, embarrass you, but 
do you mind if I pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? And he said, yeah. And I grabbed his hand, and we sat there in the golf cart on the path, and we prayed. And do you know why that moment existed? Technology. Without technology, that opportunity did not exist. This summer, uh, my niece, my, my, my family is not churched, not churched at all. And my niece, my teenage niece, came to our summer camp. And she came two years ago, and God was working her life a little bit, but we didn't know how much. And two years ago, uh, th this past summer, she came again. And she caught me at dinner one night, and she said, you know how a couple years ago we talked about water baptism? I said, yeah. She said, um, do you think we could be baptized, I could be baptized this year? And I said, well, sure, tell me what's going on in your life that would make you want to do that. I just want to make sure, you know, she had, she had had a salvation experience. And she said, she said, yeah, for about six months, she said, I've, I've been reading my Bible. And she said, I've read 13 books. And she showed me in her Bible how she had read and just highlighted notes everywhere. And, and I said, well, so as I began to talk to her, I said, well, how? She couldn't drive, didn't have transportation, couldn't go to church. I said, well, how do you? How do you, you know, feed your spiritual life? And she said, well, I have church in my bedroom. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, every Sunday morning I get up and close the door and I read the Bible and turn worship music on and I sing. And, and, uh, and she said, um, and, and that's just how I meet God. I don't have another way. And, uh, and she said, would you, would you baptize me? And I just, I stood there in the swimming pool at 11 o'clock on the last night of our beach camp last year, and I got to baptize her. And it was just one of the greatest moments of my life. And, and, she's, and I said, she said, I listen to your podcast sometimes. She said, but I wish I could see the service. That's just one person. There are thousands. And I said, we've got to, we've got to reach through technology better so we've upgraded our internet we've talked about that we've been purchasing equipment and we've identified a room on our campus that's going to be a video studio <laughs> you we haven't told you that yet we hadn't started on it but we've identified it we're going to start cleaning it out we just need the resources to renovate the thing from that studio we can reach the world living the belief here's the last one that anyone can find jesus we talked about the word belief. We talked about the word living. Let's talk about the word anyone. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises if some understand slowness. Instead, He's patient with you, not wanting anyone. God doesn't want to lose anyone. He doesn't want one person to be lost. What does anyone mean to Kingwood Church? Anyone for us means diversity. We must be a church of diversity. And our future looks like a lot more of what we already are. <laughs> Kingwood's been diverse a long time. It's not a coincidence and it's not, and it's not common. But it, but it is who we are. So if, if you don't like diversity, you're not going to like heaven. And if you don't like heaven, you're not going to like Kingwood. Because this is who we are. And it's who we're going to continue to be. I want to introduce you this morning to some of those people who have come from all walks of life 
and called Kingwood Church home. We've already been living this out, but I want to live it out more. Uh, Billy Jack and Susie Lawley are here. Where are you guys at? Are you right? Would you come? I, I'm going to call a lot of people, so just, just hang on. Billy Jack found Jesus at Kingwood in 1975. And he and Susie have been here, I don't know how many years that is, that's a lot. I was born in 71, so that's a lot. 40, 45? Zach Reed found Jesus at Kingwood six years ago. And now he, here he is serving in our 20s ministry. Manuel and Doris. Manuel and Doris found Jesus 16 years ago. And now they are the pastors of our Hispanic ministry at Kingwood Church. Wilma Stewart. Wilma, when she went through such a battle with her husband and lost her husband, uh, Kingwood, so many people here stood with her. And now King uh, Wilma stands with a lot of ladies and serves the women of our church in an incredible life group. Jeremy and Amber King. Uh, Jeremy met his wife, Amber. Where are you guys at? Right there. They met in a life group in 2002 and were married in 2004. And Kingwood has helped them through some tough times. And they're here today to, to um, celebrate that. Emily Bryant is a single mom who recently rededicated her life to Jesus. We baptized uh, her back in uh, last fall. Balaji and Aretha. Balaji's from Nigeria, and um, he's a successful business owner of an engineering company in downtown Birmingham. Jay Pesek grew up in this church, and in the last several years has, has um, just, I, I guess, reconnected with us. Uh, he's a counselor, licensed counselor, runs his own uh, counseling practice. Graham Brown grew up in an unchurched family. Graham and Charity grew up in an unchurched family and came to Christ four years ago. And now is here at Kingwood. Jordan Harvley came from a broken childhood home. And found Jesus at a church in Clinton, came to Master's Commission. And now serves as our 20s life worship leader and on our worship team and, and Master's Commission. Stephen Laurie Davis found Jesus in the midst of a broken uh, marriage. And um, God has continued to work in their life. And uh, now they've helped so many couples and serve in Kingwood Joes. And you guys just serve a little bit everywhere, don't you? If we're just going to tell the truth. I thought we might explain it, but I, I, I think everywhere is probably fair, isn't it? Abby Taylor came as a, a brand new Christian to Kingwood a few years ago. And then went off to Troy University, was discipled in Chi Alpha, and is back home here serving with us. John and Heather Pierce. John came from a broken past and uh, found his wife here at Kingwood and now owns his own business. Christy and Danny Lacey came to Scrooge, I believe, was it a, a year and a half ago? Maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago? And uh, here they are serving with us on the greeter team at Kingwood now. Milka and Jesus. Milka grew up in the Dominican Republic and uh, found a home here at Kingwood. And uh, Jesus is from Mexico and serves on the Hispanic worship team. And Milka serves in children's ministry. Uh, Haney Tackett. Haney was, a, was an alcoholic and was suicidal. And he found Jesus. And he and his wife Sarah have served in care ministry here and helped hundreds and hundreds of people. I know Sarah's not well today. Uh, pray for her. She couldn't be here. And Charmaine. Charmaine and Julio. 
Charmaine, our Master's Commission group, reached out to her and found her, and, uh, and she found Jesus. That wasn't a bad, bad trade, was it? And, uh, and also, she found Julio, and Julio found her. That's not bad either. And Julio serves in our ministry here, and you've all been inspired by Charmaine's worship leading ability. So I just want you to look for a minute at these people. I just want you to look at them. Anyone. Our vision is to be a movement of hope. And the only way we're going to do that is to live the belief. We have to not only believe it, we have to live it. That anyone can find Jesus. Anybody. Anybody at any age, at any stage, from any background, it doesn't matter. And Kingwood Church is going to have open arms and we're going to welcome every one of them home. Because that's who we are. That's who God made us to be. So here, here's what I'm going to ask you to do now. Speaking of living it. Our, um, our folks here, if you'll turn around, there's a little stack of cards behind you. And I, would you bring the lights back up a little bit? I'm, I want to make sure that we're going to move everybody for a minute. I want to make sure nobody, everybody can see. This is a little card that says, Imagine King with a movement of hope. And on the back, it has number one, number two, number three, and three blanks. Here's all I'm asking you to do. I'm going to ask you to come get one of those cards from one of these people. And I'm going to ask you to fill that card out and keep it yourself. You can put it in on your phone. You can put in notifications. What I want you to do is ask God to give you three people in your life that need the hope of Jesus, that need a church home. And I want you to write their name in, and I just want you to pray for them. Make it part of your routine. Make it part of your devotions. Make it part of your life. Because one day, the people that you've been praying for are going to be standing here. And they're going to be here being baptized. And we're going to be celebrating, saying, Yay, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. Michael and Allie, I forgot you guys. Would you come up here? Michael and Allie Chris, I just saw you and I went, I know I'm missing somebody. Michael and Allie told me two weeks ago, they moved from Pennsylvania and said, oh my goodness, we hated it here. <laughs> we hated being in Alabama. And 10 years ago, Allie rededicated her life to Jesus and seven years ago, Michael did. And they said, this church has meant so much to us. We don't even know what we would do. This is home. And Allie actually is a tattoo artist that takes people who have been abused in sex trafficking and labeled with tattoos. And for free, she paints over their tattoos and gives them a new start. Did I forget anybody else? I don't want to. Okay. If you'll take the name and put it on the card and pray for them. Here's why I want you to pray for them. By the way, this works in marriage too. The people you pray for, you treat differently. You have a marriage issue, start praying for your spouse. Just start treating them different. People around you lost, disconnected from God, don't, don't, never been forgiven, start praying for them. You'll start thinking about them different. You'll start treating them different. It starts with our infilling of the heart of the Father into our life. When we get the heart of the Father, everything starts to change. 
Would you stand with me this morning as the worship team begins to sing? All I'm going to ask you to do is come to any person, get a card, and then just go back to your seat. Before you move, I want to ask this question. If there's anyone in the room that you wonder, do I have a real relationship with Jesus? Have I known that forgiveness? Am I walking in the new life that you talked about? We're going to have prayer team members on each side. They're not going to have cards. If you want to pray today to recommit your life, rededicate your life, if you just want to pray and make sure I do have a real relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to find on the furthest side, I'm going to ask you to find those prayer team members. They're moving now. I'm going to ask you to find them. They're going to be at the very corner. You walk to them when everybody comes. And today could be your day where new life begins. So would you, as the worship team begins to sing, would you all come and receive your card and then we'll just sing this song together. Come on. Love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me in all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will see other good. card up. Let's just pray before we leave today. Lord, I pray for the people in Shelby County who need to know today that you love them. God, I pray that you would help me to see them when I walk around them. And I pray you would give each one of us the vision and the heart to see those people. That we might be what you've called us to be. And that is a movement of hope sent into this community and into the world. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, God bless you. I'm glad you're here today. Next week.